0: Hello, welcome to Eyes for Ears, your ophthalmology OCAPs and board review podcast. We're your hosts, Ben Young. And Andrew Powell.
1: Just a reminder that these episodes are meant for medical education purposes only, not to diagnose that weird thing on your eye.
0: We're ophthalmology residents who figure that reviewing for OCAPs, boards, or clinic is better when you don't have to do it alone. Each week, review a high-yield topic and talk about the why and the how.
1: Today, we're talking about color vision.
0: Color me. So, okay, I, I should have... I should have written, say, color. Are we
1: always going to lead with a pun?
0: You've read me like a book. Like a...
1: (laughs) (laughs) One day when we do a YouTube video podcast, you'll see the numerous faces I make when he does this.
0: What makes color vision work, Andrew?
1: (laughs) All right, color vision is rather complicated, But it all starts at the three different kinds of cones in the retina. And we've talked a little bit about rods and cones in the Retina Fundamentals podcast. Now we'll get a little bit more into depth about each of those types. So of the three cone types, each of them is distinguished by having a different outer segment visual pigment. And they used to just be called uh, blue cones, red cones, and green cones. But now we've actually called them by their wavelength. And as you know blue light is of short wavelength, and red light is of longer wavelengths. So you've got short wavelength cones, which are the ones that were used to be called blue. Those are the S cones, and then your M or medium cones are for green wavelengths, and L or long cones are for red. All right, now let's talk about the fun stuff with the, uh, Fun words for red, green, or blue color deficits. You've heard it before. Protan, dutan, and tritan.
0: Which further problems with the perception of red, green, and blue color vision, respectively?
1: It's always a little confusing how to remember what dutan, protan, and tritan mean. Something that I was taught as a med student by retina faculty was, and this shout out to Dr. Lisa Olmos up at the University of Washington the word protan, you can kind of think of the the mythical god Prometheus, who had his whole deal with fire and giving it to humans. Fire, like red, protan, Prometheus, fire, there you go, there's your association. Do tan, it's a little off color, ha, ha but you can think of a guy saying, hey dude, and he's high on some green, and there you go. Tritan, you can think of The trident that the Poseidon god of the sea carries around, so tritan, trident, god of the sea, blue. I think Ben has a slightly more PC way of remembering all three of these things, but to each their own.
0: So how I remember it is, you know, protan. Protan means one, dutan means two, tritan means three, so I remember one, two, three. And you just remember RGB. You know that's like the standard color pixels for your monitors, or for RGB. So R is one, protan. G is two, Dutan, And B is three, blue tan. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't really think of that. But okay, but but so yeah, but so you just remember RGB and the protan, Dutan, tritan in that order because that's what those words mean. Then you can also remember it that way. Then you have to add your suffix to either protan, dutan or tritan. The two suffixes are either anomaly or anopia. Anomaly means that that pigment is not absorbing the right spectrum. It's mutated and shifted. Anopia means that there's just an absence of that cone or pigment. As a general rule, anomaly is much more common than anopia.
1: But deuteranomaly is just even then much more common already than protonomaly. And in turn, tritanomaly is so uncommon that people don't aren't even really sure if they exist, really. The BCSC gives these following percentages in the male population, since these are mostly X-linked recessive diseases. Deuteranomaly can happen in about 5% of the male population, protanomaly in 1%, and tritanomaly in 0.0001%. People
0: who have either a red cone deficiency or a green cone deficiency. And by that, I mean a protonomaly or deuteranomaly. If you ever look at a, a chart of the spectra, uh, the colors that those pigments absorb, they're already pretty close to each other. And people who have a problem with either of those cones, basically their cones are shifted towards each other. So if you have a problem with the red cone that its absorption spectrum is shifted towards green
1: the absorption spectrum overlap even more than they are yeah. supposed to do so it becomes even harder for people to differentiate those two colors
0: right and that's why we'll talk as we'll talk about they fail some of these red green color vision testing those are the main problems with the with the cones There's two more disorders we want to talk about in the category called achromatopsias. So there's rod monochromatism and blue cone monochromatism. In rod monochromatism, they have effectively no use of their their cones in general don't work well, so they just have rods. And then blue cone monochromatism, they just have blue cones functional and the red and green are almost completely dysfunctional. Just to remind you a little bit from our retina fundamentals episode, the macula has some rods in it, but um, the fovea has no rods and the the fovea has blue um, cones in it, but just not as many blue cones. There's a lower density of that than red or green cones. As a result, because there's um, still some cones functioning in the fovea, people with blue cone monochromatism have reasonable vision still. They have around 2080 vision, and people with a rod monochromatism have worse vision, like worse than 2080, maybe in the 2200 range or so. Um, and that, that the difference is because of the density of the rods and the cones in there. So to, just to reiterate everything we just said. Rod monochromatism, they just basically have rods working in their macula still, and then blue cone monochromatism, they basically just have the blue cones left as well as the rods. And, you know, something that can be tested is the inheritance patterns of these different problems. For me, the easy way to break it down is all of them are X-linked, except for Tritinopia or Tritonomaly, is autosomal dominant. Going with Andrew's thing about Triton associated with the god of c sea is like a dominant figure. So you can remember that that's autosomal dominant. Um, rod monochromatism is autosomal recessive. And then blue monochromatism is X linked recessive. So it's another X linked thing as well. So if you remember, everything is X linked except for tritonopia or tritanomaly, which is autosomal dominant, and rod monochromatism, which is autosomal recessive. I remember that R and rod is recessive, but I don't know if that helps you. And finally, S cone monochromatism is X linked recessive. And that's all of inheritance with color vision deficiencies. Awesome. Also, I'd like to apologize for claiming that Pisces is a god. When we talked about Stargards in the Macular Dystrophies episode. <laughs> okay, this was called out by our own senior contributor, Amanda Redford. <laughs> Heresy! Who the fish god will demand blood! <laughs> but we, we, we fact-checked a lot of that episode. We did not fact-check the Pisces claim in the uh, Macular Dystrophies episode. So anyone who took that home and answered that on their O-caps or boards, we were sorry. The fish god
1: is very disappointed in you
0: but he's not we i looked it up Andrew. <laughs> he's actually not a fish god there's a whole story but we'll talk about them pisces for years are new <laughs> spin-off podcasts we're coming out with okay okay right. uh,
1: some some other in little before we get into the meat of the second half of this episode about color vision testing just some quick fun tidbits about certain drugs that can actually give you vision or color vision problems Um, if you use it, can temporarily make your vision yellow. Um, you can also have vision problems if you have a low vitamin A level, or even if you use pilocarpine. The most infamous of these is the PDE5 inhibitors, more commonly known as the category with sildenafil or tadalafil for your enhancement boosters. That's Viagra. You can't use brand names on this thing. Anyway, um, so these... The uh, male enhancement uh, drugs can actually give you a transient bluish tint to everything you see.
0: Yeah, if it helps you remember, you know, Sildenafil is a little blue pill.
1: That you use when you're watching blue movies.
0: So, uh, Did you know there are different
1: colors in every culture for that kind of movie?
0: I actually... I, I infer what blue movie means now. I did not know what that meant before. Okay. How do we test color vision? Quick editor's note. All the tests Andrew is about to talk about are for the context of congenital color deficits. These can also, or at least many of them, can also be used for acquired color vision deficits, which he didn't really go into this episode, including things like optic neuropathies or retinal macular diseases. But... The way that Andrew's going to talk about them now is in relation to congenital color deficits.
1: Alright, so there are lots of different ways to test color vision. Let's start with one of them that none of you have ever seen, but is the most accurate instrument for figuring out red-green deficiency classifications. That's the Nagel anomaloscope. I don't even know if I'm saying that correctly. Nagel? Nagel, All,
0: all respect to Dr. Nagel. Or-
1: yeah. Well, this is a machine where you have the patient look into little scopes, and then they see a screen that's divided into half. Half the screen is yellow, and then the other half has to be made yellow by mixing different pigments or different colors together until they get a color match. And the patients who use weird proportions of other colors to make the yellow, the test will flag those as having a problem with red and green, which are the colors you use to make it. So aside from that, I don't know, I've never seen one in real life, but it is apparently the most accurate one for distinguishing red-green color division deficiency. Moving on to the ones that most of us have seen, the pseudo-isochromatic plates. The main two that everyone knows are the Ishihara pseudo-isochromatic plates and the Hardy Rand Rittler. The Ishihara is better at and mostly really just tests between red and green deficits. The hardy rand Rittler is a little more comprehensive. It'll test for red, green, and blue deficits, but everybody mostly uses the Ishihara because we now know how rare and uncommon those blue deficits are.
0: In case you haven't seen any of these tests before, the Ishihara plates are kind of the more famous looking ones, where they're the, uh, the bubbles with the different colors, and then you can see a number in the bubbles.
1: Strictly speaking, these tests have to be done under a specific standard quality of light, which is typically sunlight or your electronically engineered, standardized light bulb that can mimic sunlight. But honestly, who actually does that? These tests, anyway, since they're used for screening, you don't have to be too perfect with them. They're not intended to be used to diagnose the exact kind of color vision problem. Just flag people who might have it so that you can move on to the other category of tests, the panel tests. Now the panel tests, these are really just a row of a whole bunch of different color tablets, like by uh, tablets, they're just little blocks of colors and you have to mix and match them. They are basically the rainbow in different gradations and the one that takes forever but is much more comprehensive is the Farnsworth Munsell 100 where you have 100 different blocks of different colors all mixed up and you have to arrange them such that they make something like a rainbow that one color just gradually blends into the next. You can imagine that if you have problems differentiating those colors, you're going to order those and arrange those in a weird way. And that's how the test flags people with color problems. You can also imagine that sitting there watching your patient tediously sort through a hundred different color tablets will make you go blind yourself. So there's a faster test the Farnsworth Panel D15. In this one, there's just 15 color tablets. It's a lot faster. And because it's faster, it's a little less sensitive, but it's good enough for most people. Not only is it good enough for most people, in some cases, it's actually a little better than the Farnsworth Munsell 100 because it can actually differentiate between congenital and acquired deficits. Patients with congenital uh, color vision deficits make very consistent errors But patients with acquired color deficit problems make very irregular patterns of errors, and these will actually be easier to spot and identify with fewer tablets, like just 15 as compared to 100. There's also something a test for complete achromatopsia called the Sloan, S-L-O-A-N, Sloan Achromatopsia Test,
0: which, put briefly, has observers compare gray and colored circles based on reflectance. And that's all we have about color vision this um, this week, to review, we talked about the different cones, the short, medium, and long wavelength, which is blue, green, and red. We talked about the different color vision uh, deficiency syndromes, including protanomaly, deuteronomy, tritanomaly, as well as the two-way chromatopsias, rod monochromatism and blue cone monochromatism. We talked about two drugs that change your color perception, including digoxin, which makes your vision yellow, and sildenafil, which makes your vision blue. And then finally, we finished by talking about different ways to test color vision, including Nagel Anomaloscope, which is the most sensitive and accurate instrument. Pseudo-isochromatic test plates, including Ishihari and hardy rand rittler which are fairly rapid ways to screen for color vision. And then finally, the panel tests, which are better to actually classify vision, including the farnsworth munsel 100 and the farnsworth Panel D15. And we mentioned the Sloan achromatopsia test as well. Okay, that's all we have for this week. If you like what you heard, you can follow us on Twitter at eyes4ears with a number 4. Or Instagram, eyes4ears,
1: again with a number 4. Or check out our Anki flashcard decks on our website, eyes4ears.net with the word for.
0: If you'd like to support the podcast, then it really helps us to rate and review us on iTunes. Okay, and thank you for supporting us just by listening. We'll see you next week. Bye. 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 Thanks, Jasmine. Bye.